1: nfl week 15 was one of the i think one of the most fun weeks of this season anyway some of the most bizarre plays that i think i've ever seen and some of the most uh, enjoyable big plays that we're going to talk about on today's show as well sean week 15 we're in the playoffs important games and all the fantasy football landscape no matter what format you're playing in whether it's best ball you're into the playoffs whether it's your own playoffs in your dynasty leagues or whether it's those season long leagues there's just so many different options that you have to be very very intrigued and interested in this week to see how the scores go and i did a lot more you mentioned this in one of the recent shows there was one week where you did a lot more box score watching to see how the games were going what was happening then some weeks i did a lot this week obviously and uh i think it was it was worth it because we had some spectacular matchups and we're just gonna well i to ask you the question first what, what did you think of this week i thought it was unique bizarre all rolled into one and we're gonna jump right into it but do you agree with that statement Yeah, I
2: mean, this was one of the greatest reality football weeks of all time. It was one of the greatest fantasy football weeks of all time. Just an absolutely insane group of games stretching all the way through the weekend. You get the two games on Saturday where you start out with the Minnesota Vikings coming from 33 points down (laughs) to beat the Indianapolis Colts. You have a beautiful game ending up in the snow there between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. That lived up to the billing completely. Then you have this frantic slate of games on Sunday. Talk about all of the back and forth. The Las Vegas Raiders blow another 14-point league. Look like they're going to have some crazy stats. I I believe falling to 2-5 and in games in which they led by 13 points or more. Imagine that. Games in which you led by 13 points or more, you're 2-5. and Obviously, that's not how the game ended as they have a crazy finish there. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. Who The Bengals come out about once a month, if not more, and look like they didn't sleep the night before. I mean, they look like
1: looks like they don't know how to play football.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I remember some of our college tennis matches back many, many years ago, like driving around all night before the match the next day. Then having to drive six hours to the match, then any time you get to the match and you're like, where are we? That's where the Cincinnati Bengals always seem like <laughs> when they come out. Get down 17 nothing, but then call them. They are not only leading that game not that long after. They're down 17 nothing with like 45 seconds left in the first half. They're ahead by the end of the third quarter. They score 34 unanswered points. Obviously, we've got a lot of talk about in the Detroit Lions-New York Jets game, especially with the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins losing. The fact that the Jets came out and tried to tank this game, almost still won but try and take this game by starting Zach Wilson. I think that's a question they're going to have to live with for a long, long time, but that game was fantastic. A few games that may be not so great. You have Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, you have Denver, Arizona, where I seriously thought there was a possibility that everyone on both sides is going to get fired at halftime, but then they come out and actually play a pretty entertaining second half. So we have that going for us as well. Callum before we get too far into it, just, i absolutely wired here having done 12 13 consecutive hours of football after spending you know a huge chunk of yesterday with football and other sports and I mean, is is overtime too a team of destiny can we run the magic back we profiled the listener leagues recently congratulated the winners there we managed to advance in one of the two superflex leagues and column that team has put up 100. And 91 points with Christian Watkinson still to potentially add a few more points on for us. We have Jalen Hurts with 35, Jarrett McKinnon with 34, Derek Henry with 26, Justin Jefferson 30, Devontae Smith 17, Noah Fant. Noah Fant, call him. Let's go. Noah Fant decides to play this week. Uh, He scores almost 17 points. Outscores actually Gino, who's in there in the super flex spot. T. Higgins adds 16 Drake London, 13 points on the bench. Trey McBride, 11 points on the bench. Those two guys decide and come to play this week. We are currently in the top two spots. It'll be a very exciting advance. Colin, you mentioned the scoreboard watching. This was just again a crazy week. FFPC main event. The team I had with Ben. So fun to watch Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown do those types of things. We'll talk about that in a second. All of these Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues were in the playoffs. And then you and I did a gauntlet draft the other day. And Colin, I have to say, that really sucked me. I've done like six or seven more since then. Anybody who maybe your day didn't go as well or like you can't sleep because your team did so amazingly this weekend, head on over to Underdog. Listen to the show. Figure out the strategy. Head on over to Underdog. Draft some gauntlet teams. But Colin, this was a great day for Best ball mania three watching as well, trying to get your teams into the semifinals of that tournament. And we got points. We got points. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we wanted all season long. Win or lose, you have some shootouts. And so, I mean, if you scored 160, 170, 180, 190, you're probably looking at this and say, Well, I mean, any other week this season, I would have actually gapped my opponents as it did, I'm just hanging in there. But we got points, and this is what fantasy football is supposed to be about. This was an absolutely fantastic week
1: yeah absolutely and when i was saying i was doing the scoreboard watching when i was looking through some of those games throughout today i was looking at some of my best ball rosters to see how things were looking and you mentioned there like there's some teams this week with 150 and you're like i wonder that team probably has a a chance of you know advancing in the top two and then you look and you're like oh there's you know two teams you know 40 points ahead of me i have no chance here so the points were being put up in a major way you mentioned the games on saturday which was fun and when you get those games together you're always hoping in your head you're thinking this is gonna be fantastic these high scoring games we had the concerns obviously with the snow there was reports all day about how that game would go with buffalo didn't really affect the game all that much and we got all the you know a lot of the stars and maybe not all them but putting up those points but the game watching the the vikings and the colts and i i've said i've thought the vikings have been like a you know a paper tiger all season long and you know half time in this one sean i'm like yeah this is it's all finally coming exactly how i thought it was going to happen and yeah they, they come back <laughs> and win that game and a, an absolutely amazing game we get lots of star players having big games there you know from jefferson to galvin cook even Kirk cousins getting in on the act but just just a fun fun weekend overall and we're going to start with one of the games that i thought was very interesting, a lot of fun. And that is the Eagles and the Bears. 25 20, not huge points put up in terms of actual NFL points, just the 45 in this one. But the Eagles now 13 and 1 with Jalen Hurts, no passing touchdowns, but 315 passing yards, two interceptions, which he hadn't really been turning the ball over. But he has 61 rushing yards on 17 attempts and three rushing touchdowns. So a lot of the teams, Sean, you mentioned there, our team in the Superflex tournament, your team with Ben in the main event Jill and hertz teams and they look you know very very uh enthused obviously with what he's able to do a russian touchdown in this game which i just thought was an awesome play design but the uh, bears blitz and and he just you know runs through the line of scrimmage quarterback uh rush all the way to the end zone at, at hyper speed so some fun plays the concentration of targets in this offense we'll see what happens now with dallas goddard probably coming back into the mix over the next couple of weeks but with them being 13 and one now probably makes sense for them not to actually rush him back in this scenario with how they are playing at the moment but 16 targets for aj brown nine receptions 181 yards for him we get Devontae smith eight targets five receptions 126 yards a 45 yard long for smith and then aj brown getting a 68 yard long in this one usually when you're getting those really long passes you know half the length of the field you're probably getting into the end zone but that was the one thing they just weren't able to do in the passing game today was getting the end zone but the next highest targets was quez watkins was six targets but in terms of the next highest receiving yards after Devontae smith was nine for kenneth gainwell so they have a situation where there's pretty much no passing yards outside of those two guys. And uh, it's great to see from uh, our perspective to see the the concentration going that way. Uh, Justin Fields, on the other hand, 152 passing yards, two passing touchdowns for him. He gets 95 yards on the ground on 15 carries. Left the game briefly, but did come back in. He looked uh on the ground, Sean. These are with Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson hasn't really done it this season, but the two most probably electric Russian quarterbacks. And in terms of all time, they're, they're probably. I think they're both probably in the top ten of all-time Russian quarterbacks to watch play, but this this was fun to see how both these teams were doing it, and the the Eagles do edge out the win here.
2: Yeah, I mean, you say top ten, I think that outside of Michael Vick, there's not really another guy who
1: would be with the speed for sure in the mix. Yeah.
2: And I Lamar Jackson is kind of crazy because he's almost this downhill type of runner where he gets to the edge. But everything feels like angles and speed and sort of deceptive size. Justin Fields is a cartoon character, right? I mean, he's a, a player in a video game. What he's able to do, and it's too bad he didn't get actually a touchdown on his long yeah, run was in awesome. this one. He barely steps out. I mean, it called the touchdown originally, overturned and, and properly so. But that's one where he should have been sacked. You know, reverses field multiple times, shows the <laughs> long speed, breaks some tackles, tiptoes down the sidelines. You a little bit like the situation with Debo Samuel last season. You're thinking it can't keep happening, it can't keep happening. And obviously, he's going to go through some stretches in his NFL career where it doesn't happen. I mean, you're not going to rush for almost 100 yards a game as a quarterback, you know, through your entire career. He's going to hit some droughts at some point. But what he's doing right now is just absolutely astonishing, and he passes the ball well in this game too. And part of that is just the pressure that he puts on the defense in so many ways. Now the flip side of it, six more sacks and th- th- those negative plays are really hurting the offense. And yet you look at what he's passing to here. Byron Pringle leads the team with 39 receiving yards. He gets the touchdown late on sort of a broken play. David Montgomery receiving touchdown, three targets, 38 yards. You have Cole Kmet leads the team with five targets, it's just an absolute joke here. One of the plays that they don't convert is a fourth down where Dante Pettis maybe makes the least effort I've ever seen any NFL player make on a meaningful play, right? It's just it, it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, if you want to know why Dante Pettis, someone who's very athletic was not actually good in college and was a really bizarre draft pick by the 49ers. And then quickly fell out of favor with the 49ers because the 49ers make all these bad picks. And then they see the guys in practice. And they're like, no, we're not going to play you. We, we give playing time based on performance and you're like well i mean you should pick people who were good in college because that would help you get guys who are good in the nfl now i say that and because of the different things that they have done the aggressiveness that the 49ers have demonstrated in going out and getting players and they've got the most talented team in the nfl and so from that perspective i don't think that they're not worried about any criticisms of how they're drafting but bringing it back to pettis here doesn't convert the fourth down he has four targets one reception There's just absolutely no talent here. I mean, you think, say, fast forward three years and the Chicago Bears make some draft picks. I'm guessing they already wish they had that second round pick back that they traded for Chase Claypool. But you make some selections, you put some players around Justin Fields, and this offense is going to be similar to what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. What the Philadelphia Eagles are doing is just transcendent. You look at aj brown in this game only catches nine of the 16 targets but he goes for 180 yards and a lot of the other targets were deep as well he has another very close miss he's contorting his body on all of these plays down the sideline wrapped up and uh, carrying his defender i mean pass interference basically doesn't exist or didn't exist in week 15 and yet we still got this offensive explosion because after a, a year of disappointment these guys are getting out there and making plays just unbelievable what brown is doing he makes the long catch on his 68 yard gain then breaks free then he manages to not go out of bounds and at his size demonstrates incredible agility down the sideline the weird thing about it was he does kind of gap his defender by five six yards it's only 15 yards to go to the end zone you're thinking 70 yard touchdown for a.j brown but no he he doesn't break away he's tackled down near the goal line if you're also playing jalen hurts the silver lining is another Hurts touchdown. This was kind of a dagger week for Miles Sanders' managers, especially in any type of tournament or you get cut because he has 11 carries, 42 yards. Looks okay, but the Bears obviously able, willing to stop the running game here. He is stuffed at the goal line, and that leads to another one of these Jalen Hurts touchdowns if you have hurts the fact that once they get there inside the one yard line they're going to run a quarterback sneak in addition to the play that you mentioned earlier it's just absolute nirvana for fantasy. there's no way to stop that, that quarterback
1: sneak. there is no way to stop it
2: on one of the plays humorously like the entire chicago bears defensive line is lined up across the neutral zone and the nose tackle is like making contact with the center's body as they snap it their calls for offside. And yet still don't come anywhere close to actually stopping the play
1: and then as maybe they plan you know the bears are like oh, "Well, we figured out we're going to stop it this time we're going to stop it and then they kind of line them up to the left hand side almost to the line of scrimmage and do kind of a, a slant to the or a, a snap to the side and he takes on the two-point conversion that way so it's like, but uh incredible stuff from the 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 eagles and you mentioned transcendent you know out of the nfc i think they are head and shoulders above anything else it's an on offer in the nfc we'll see how they do but they they certainly should be cruising towards that first round by and uh, we'll see what happens then in the playoffs but yeah these teams heading into things from a fantasy perspective i mentioned not getting goddard back potentially if they want to hold him out but i do think they're going to want to get that by so hopefully for everyone in the fantasy playoffs here we get them 100 for the next couple of weeks trying to really go all out to get that and i think that was one of the advantages of the vikings also winning is it, it also means that there's still that need to continue to to win those games and moving on though sean to a team that has continued to win and almost didn't win this and i see you're wearing your kansas city chiefs hat they get a division championship here i think i seen this was the the seventh season in a row that they have gone on to win the division but they get a win against the houston texans who after pressing the cowboys last week they really pressed the the chiefs here this game goes to overtime we had a couple of overtime games this week we had a couple of games that really sean we thought we're going to overtime and we're going to get to those in a minute but yeah just a an amazing week from that perspective games coming down to the wire one score games and uh, just a lot of fun from that aspect and, and the very final moments patrick mahomes again over 300 yards 336 two touchdowns for him pacheco 86 rushing yards we get jared mckinnon though sean i don't i don't think we can say he's taken over the backfield but in terms of what he's actually doing from a fantasy perspective he is dominating over the last couple of weeks uh over 30 points again in ppr formats this week he is uh, 52 yards on 10 carries one rushing touchdown we get a patrick mahomes rushing touchdown travis kelsey 105 yards 10 target or 10 targets 10 receptions we get juju smith schuster 10 targets 10 receptions 88 yards so highly efficient for those guys but jared mckinnon sean eight targets eight receptions 70 yards one touchdown so the top three targets actually I'm looking here now Noah gray is the the fourth target by our fourth option uh, by receptions and yardage here 100% pass completion to Kelsey Schuster McKinnon and Gray in this game but McKinnon eight for 70 and one through the air on the other side there's there's not a huge amount to really talk about I don't think from the Houston side but they they really did put up a fight here in this one Sean your Kansas City Chiefs Jerry McKinnon can he keep up what he's doing here it's you know as uh, you know when you're looking at uh, zero rb picks at the start of the season and particularly in these basketball formats Jarek mckinnon could potentially be that person who has pushed a team here through these weeks to, to go on to win some major major money
2: yeah and he was one of our guys on the zero rb candidates list who looks like he could be the league winner be the tournament winner the last couple of weeks he's been so much like what he was in the reality playoffs last season. He's such a perfect fit for what the Chiefs do. And they've been kind of looking for this back, searching for him. They're pretty happy with Pacheco brings to the table as the early down rusher. You hope that there's no point at which Clyde Edwards-Alaire would come back and take away any of the touches in this offense. One thing of note, Colin, among the running backs, Ronald Jones did lead the way in yards per carry and this one's six yards per carry let's go and tell us how many carries he had he had one carry after pacheco let's fumbles go. pacheco would have had a massive game if he doesn't fumble because otherwise he looked good the 15 carries 86 yards he also caught a pass uh, this is what you're expecting but again it's against the houston texans who allow the most rushing yards per game against any team in the nfl This is a a difficult game to explain, right? You look at the game a week ago against the Cowboys and the Texans really held in there in most of the statistical categories. They didn't dominate that game by any stretch. They didn't win that game from a stat perspective by any stretch, but they were there. They had it. You convert that touchdown late. They're going to win that game and arguably deservedly so. This game was really weird and the Chiefs have had a variety of games. If you think back to the Colts loss early in the season, had a variety of games that they've either let be much closer than they should have been or lost because of just it seems like a lack of intensity, a lack of concentration. It's similar to that Bengals, Malays, and yet it can take place over the course of an entire game. They go to, do go to overtime, and the Texans have the ball, only need a field goal to win the game, but it's not a particularly close game, right? They have 15 more first downs. They outgamed the Texans 502 yards to 219. 280 more yards, and yet they're in overtime with a chance to lose. And you went through all the players who put up the big games for the Chiefs. They really were still firing on all cylinders offensively, but you get the Pacheco fumble. That was really costly. You have a situation where Juju Smith-Schuster takes just a really dirty hit from the Texans and you like for these guys to start getting kicked out of these games. Just a, a flagrantly dirty hit, and so Schuster's had terrible concussion problems. And so the last thing you want is somebody who has that in their background taking these dirty hits. But obviously, he's taken sort of measures into his own hands before. We know that he was the guy who laid out Vontez Perfect. You know, maybe not exactly in a position to exactly take the moral high road. He does get pretty fired up about it, though. And the next time he catches a pass, he tries to lay a hit on the defender. And uh, maybe that's Karma <laughs> paying him back a little bit because he kind of misses the defender, but takes the ball into the helmet in a way to where he actually fumbles himself. This is the first time I've ever seen for Progress ruled and then overturned. The officials had another game today, another weekend worth of games that just left you scratching your head the entire way through and the commentary too, from the officiating experts, sort of bizarre. We had a play on Sunday night football where the Washington commanders execute a perfect two point conversion and get called for offensive pass interference. This was a bizarre day to day because there were a lot of two point conversion attempts and almost every single one of them, the player whom the pass was intended for was like hogtied wrestled to the ground Physically assaulted in the course of the play, and the official just looked at it like, "I don't care what's going on." Got to let them play, Sean. Got to let them. Got to let them play. Jahan Dotson like runs a route into the end zone on this Commanders play. The defensive back wraps his arm around him, getting ready to commit a pass interference penalty, as we've seen all throughout the day. They run a receiver in behind him. He stores the two point conversion. Beautifully designed play. Nothing there at all except for the defender getting ready to commit another foul and they get called for a pick. The officiating guru liked the call. Chris Collinsworth made the case that probably not a foul. And I would agree with, just again, so many bizarre plays. Those of us who were playing the Minnesota Vikings defense weren't happy with all the premature whistles in that one on Saturday. But again, I, I mean, Far too many really exciting things to worry about that. But you have the two fumbles. You have Harrison Bucker, one of the best kickers in the NFL, looking like he's still very limited. He had a disastrous game today. Both of his misses an extra point and a 50-yarder to win the game. Two plays which, along with the turnovers, made this game a lot closer. He shanks the extra point. He pushes the 50-yard field goal, which he has the leg from 65. So it's it's going to be about kicking it straight. Misses very, very badly. Those field goal kicking is not easy. Definitely don't envy those players, their positions. I mean, it'd be great to be an NFL athlete, be out there. I mean, that part would be pretty awesome. It is a pressure filled situation where you really only get picked out when you do a poor job. And these are difficult plays. You hit that ball very solid and are off just a whisker in your trajectory. You can miss it left or right. That was not the case with Bucker. He missed both of these badly. So we hope that he can get on track for those of us who are playing him in fantasy and for Chiefs fans. But even though they were really pretty totally and completely mauled and controlled in this game, I think that you still have to give the Texans credit for fighting all the way through, executing the things that they could. I think he got to give Lovey Smith credit, the two quarterbacks who battle here. I mean, Davis Mills, another bad game in part because he and Justin Fields, Don't even have like backup caliber wide receivers. There is nobody on either one of these teams who should be on an NFL roster in the first place. That's not quite fair to Chris Moore, who's had some nice plays this season. Nine targets today, only the four catches for 42 yards. He would have been a sneaky play in DFS or other different types of tournaments. Wasn't able to come through. But Davis Mills makes some plays in this game. A cool game. And one of the things that we witnessed all the way through and starting with the Colts building that 33-point lead. I mean, you look at that and you're thinking to yourself, I mean, you can't blow a 33-point lead. There are some coaching mistakes. I mean, it, it was a pure Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins fest, where in the first half you get to see all, all the issues that Kirk Cousins has. In the second half, you get to see all of the issues of a geriatric Matt Ryan. And yet, one of the reasons that you never quit on these games is if the Colts can score 33 points on you in the first half, just imagine how many you could score on them so much back and forth in these games. And Colin, that takes us to the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, this was a game, Sean, as well, that you just mentioned there with the comebacks. This is a game where the Bengals kind of come out there. Joe Borah comes out and he's efficient, but then they have the interception, which kind of changed the trajectory of the first half. They are 17 0 down. There's a field goal just before halftime, but where this game really changes is the, the second quarter. Tom Brady and the buccaneers look really good on offense and that first half as i mentioned button up those 17 points but things really did slow down for them just the six points in the second half coming their way they lose 34 to 23 and that that led to i believe 34 unanswered points in this game so it's 17 0 then it goes to 34 17 then finishes off as i mentioned there 34 23. obviously one of the teams sean and the nfc south is going to get into the playoffs so even with this loss the buccaneers are still kind of having that opportunity but they are six and eight on the season the Bengals now 10 and four the Bengals are that little bit of a you don't really know what you're going to get from them but the the comebacks and the spectacular nfl kind of storylines some people might say scripts but uh storylines uh are are interesting here with them getting this win not a huge day for Burrow. he does just have the 200 yards passing but you know, if you get four passing touchdowns sean with 200 yards passing i think that's going to lead to a pretty good day overall nothing really on the ground a combined 21 rush attempts for the bengals here just a 53 yards but jamar chase gets a touchdown tyler boy gets a touchdown that's seven for 60 and one off 13 targets sean you mentioned some of the Know the pass interference or non calls. Jamar Chase was furious a number of times in this game because he was just getting wrestled each time he went to make a reception. He did start to get some calls in that second half. Tyler Boyd came in with the finger injury five targets, five receptions, 35 yards, one touchdown. T Higgins gets in the end zone as well eight targets, five receptions, 33 yards, and one touchdown. I felt that there was a lot left on the table as well today from the Bengals passing perspective, but they get the job done and this one tom brady 44 pass attempts 30 completions 312 yards three touchdowns two interceptions got really messy bad interception early in that second half that, that led to points again and the other thing that the Bengals were really good at in this game is when they got those opportunities from the turnovers they did really punish the buccaneers again another side of the game where there wasn't much happening in the running game 25 attempts 92 yards for the Bengals, or for the, the Bucks as a whole. Godwin, though, eight targets, eight receptions, 83 yards, one touchdown. We get Russell Gage, the other big kind of scorer today, 12 targets, eight receptions, 59 yards, two touchdowns for him. What are some of the, the takeaways, Sean, that, that you have from this game?
2: Well, if you have a best ball team that you got through to the playoffs with Russell Gage, then you were rewarded with, a massive game today. He leads the team with the 12 targets, gets two of the three touchdowns. You mentioned Tom Brady and some of the mistakes. The second interception on the Bengals' part was a fantastic catch there. But he goes for 312. The telecast claimed this is the first time the Bengals had given up 300 passing yards this year. The Bengals haven't been a big play defense, but they do not let you move the ball. We saw that on the ground today where Leonard Fournette and Rashad White more or less stopped ahead white in some places where... It would have been great if he could have done more, but we just, we're still not really seeing it from him, unfortunately. This is a battle of two good defenses and two, you know, sort of statuesque quarterbacks. And that gave each team some trouble for a while. You mentioned all of those pass interferences on Jamar Chase that weren't called. I mean, he's in a wrestling match every single play. If you're going to let defenses do that again, I mean, they've got such a big advantage. I don't think that that's the way that we want these plays called in an NFL that is struggling for points, but he still manages to draw 13 targets. You mentioned the seven sixty and one. He also failed to make three catches that he's not going to make every time because they're difficult plays, but very makeable plays that would have added big chunks onto his score. I mean, this is a bad game for Jamar chase in which he puts up 19 fantasy points. Yeah. Maybe this is just, the enthusiasm I'm feeling for the day and definitely the exuberance I have for the player, but I don't think it's impossible that we get a 25 point per game season, maybe a 26, 27 point per game season from Jamar chase sometime in the next six or seven years. He doesn't have quite the size of a Justin Jefferson. He obviously doesn't have the size of a Calvin Johnson. But when you're thinking about players like Jefferson who are going to be in that mix, and especially now that we have an extra game, are you going to see a 2,000-yard season from Chase, a 2,000-yard season from Jefferson? I mean, those years are coming. Again, a bad game today in terms of the interferences, in terms of Burrow's ability to deal with the rush early and move the ball. I mean, They don't move the ball at all until the last couple seconds of the first half. He drops some passes. And you have this 19 point game. So we're talking about just the sky is the absolute limit. That's not, you know, any, any type of bold prediction or controversial note. It's just amazement at how good he is and what this team has in the future. One of the things we've really been looking for is a game where all three receivers get involved. And because all three are involved, it allows the team to win. That was the game today. All three guys here were necessary. All three of them show up in the second half. Great to see Tyler Boyd more or less healthy after the finger injury. And for T. Higgins to play through a game here with the different soft tissue injuries. Just a huge sigh of relief for everyone who had Jalen Waddell. For everyone who has T. Higgins. They look like two of the seven or eight best receivers in the NFL. And unfortunately injuries have kept them just that tiny notch down from being the true league winners. Like we've had. From those guys in the first and second rounds in terms of where they went in fantasy drafts the big years are coming for those two players as well it'll be interesting to see where they actually go in 2023 back half of the second round it does seem in play for both of them
1: yeah i think it's going to be uh you you have me enthused right by, by the comment of about the potential points per game but yeah these both the wide receivers look just at the next level they, they, they're the things that they can do are things that not many not many athletes in the world can do never mind players playing in the nfl so excited to see it they're also paired obviously with joe Burrow, which is a fantastic help from that perspective sean we're going to jump in to the win bet wow what have i just seen play off the day this may be the you know i haven't done this segment before called the wow play of the day but this is something that i Don't think I've ever seen before, and I don't know if I'll ever see again. And that is the ending to the New England Patriots and the Las Vegas Raiders game, where the Raiders come out 30 to 24 winners in this one. But you can sign up to WinBet today to receive a special sports offer. Bet $100 to win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Sean, Mac Jones, 112 passing yards. So we don't get really anything through the air here in this game for the Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson is the story again. Ramondre Stevenson looks fantastic. Come into this game with, you know, questionable tag, what he you know, how efficient would he be? He has 19 carries, Sean, for 172 yards and one touchdown, averaging nine point one yards a carry. He has impressed me you know when this season just keeps keeps doing stuff i i'm at a prediction that didn't obviously happen in this game and it probably won't happen before the end of the season because it was a pretty bold prediction that was the Ramondre stevenson would have a 40 point game before the end of the season but in terms of rushing the ball he looked amazing here just two receptions off three targets for him but it was for minus four yards on the other side the big talking point is obviously going to be Devonte Adams nine targets four receptions twenty eight yards. So people who got to the playoffs with Adams and his strong performances, this was you mentioned earlier the, the dagger performance for for Miles Sanders. This one it'll be interesting to see in those best ball tournaments how many Devonte Adams teams actually advance to the next round. And if you get one through, that could be a major edge to finish this off. Not a, a big day for Josh Jacobs either. Ninety three rushing yards, just seventeen receiving yards on two passing uh, or two receptions, but. Derek Carr struggled a bit in this game but does get three touchdowns one of those going to Darren Waller who was back in the mix here the other touchdown Sean went to Keelan Cole which we want to see points stand we want to see touchdowns scored it was interesting that they really only seemed to have one camera angle that they could work off here this was reviewed I believe at the time as well challenged by the Patriots but it looked like his toe was out of bounds but wasn't clear and definitive I think this is one of its called as not a catch it is not overturned it's one of those ones where right on the borderline but i was surprised that it was upheld but sean that is not the play i'm talking about but that was a 30-yard touchdown to kind of set things up here we get a situation at the end where romander stevenson breaks off a run time has basically hit zeros he tosses it off to jacoby myers who this game's going to overtime it's not a case you have to score now jacoby myers tries to throw this one back to mac jones it is intercepted and it is return for a touchdown to seal the game here is a walk off interception on a lateral i don't know what way i think it's actually ruled as a a fumble it's it is ruled as a fumble to jacoby myers but uh chandler jones bulldozes over mac jones and takes it to the house is this one of the craziest plays you've ever seen in the nfl
2: yeah i mean this play will go down in history with the stanford band play it seems like this Kind of the flip side. I would, I would, I would that. imagine
1: that there's a lot of like Raiders fans here who like see this game as heading to overtime. They're kind of happy about that based on how the game was going. They head out to the concessions, maybe to, or head to the bathroom, you know, to get get ready for overtime. And I, I'm sure that there is a portion of that stadium that has missed this play.
2: <laughs> it was, it was the wrong play to miss. But I you, again, you like the effort there from. Myers fighting for it, it just very ill advised. And I mean, this was a very strange game from the beginning. You get the pick six when yep. the Raiders are completely dominating the game. You have a game here where the Raiders are able to come back, even though I mean this is a New England defense, a New England game plan. So you know that they're gonna take out the stars. So they take out Devontae Adams. They could take out Josh Jacobs. I mean, Jacobs still goes for 93, but when you have the 22 carries, that's not really helping the team from an efficiency perspective that moves the chains, gets the team in scoring types of positions. You mentioned that it was a dagger performance from Adams, not a killer from Jacobs, but if he was the guy who carried you to the playoffs, then he didn't carry you today scored about the same number of points that you're going to get from Jerry Judy in one of the ugliest NFL games we've ever seen. So that's that's not kind of the level that you were hoping for today. Now, there was a, a long play early where if Devontae Adams hauls that in, it's a little bit different day for him. I think a beautifully thrown pass, he usually makes that not an easy catch at all, but I mean, we're so used to seeing him make the highlight look routine. he wasn't able to do it today. you have the play in the end zone there that's one where just you have to have more angles. I don't understand <laughs> it's a little bit like having officials who aren't full time although well, that, that's a little bit of a misleading type of deal but to not have the camera angle there because you just you actually can't overturn that play I don't think. the angle that you get is so terrible that even though it does look like his toe is on the line there, because of perspective, that's going to be misleading. The officials right there, looking at it from his angle, sees it as a touchdown. You don't have any of the angles that would show you that he clearly stepped on the line based on what the rules are. I mean, but you've got to my that my question, stand. I'm okay yeah, with
1: that. My, my question is, we we had the Jaguars game last week where there's a fantastic camera angle of Zay Jones toe. It shows it clearly inbounds. We're playing this game in you know one of the newest stadiums in the NFL, costs probably close to maybe billions of pounds or or, you know going over that or billions of dollars and the one view we have seems to be from like the top of the the upright (laughs) can we not get a a second camera in here
2: yeah so that part was unfortunate because i don't know i i was rooting for the raiders here i was rooting for derek carr for fantasy i was excited about the play i'm not unbiased i will not pretend to be but i do think that we want the scoring and based on the rules you've got to hold that play up it is unfortunate for the Patriots who appear to have this game one, and then they have that play late. I, you have to mention Mac Jones. He goes 13 for 31 for only 112 yards. I actually didn't think he threw the ball that poorly in this game. A lot of drops by the receivers. The Myers play at the end, not the first really bad play by his teammates that don't allow him to move the ball. You have a situation at the end of the first half where the play calling is late constantly. They are not able to run the plays that they want. They end up settling for a field goal. And this was one of the first games today where I thought that the Patriots' offensive coaching was so egregiously bad that the issues that were talked about all offseason and all preseason just so glaring. And so from that perspective, You wonder what they'll do in the offseason because now they're going to be faced with that. Their playoff odds plummet with the loss here. They've got several more difficult games to go. You've got a fantastic defense. You've got some young potential stars. You have a Ramondre Stevenson. You look at what's happening with the Jacksonville Jaguars and how just in the last month, Trevor Lawrence has taken this leap from possible bust, blows right past competent, to now looking like an absolute superstar. One of the things that the Jets were dealing with today as well is that they don't want to give up too early. You think about Justin Fields and how he looked last season, how he looked in the first month, and then what he's been able to do since these teams know that they can't give up on their players when they've invested what they've invested in them. And when starting over has such high costs in its own way. And yet what, we're seeing here with the patriots is not giving mac jones a chance on the one hand i think you have to like his competitiveness and the frustration that he was demonstrating on the other hand the patriots probably are not going to put up with that number one and then just number two it really does give you a sense of the dysfunction now the las vegas raiders actually a much better team than their record indicates this would have been an excellent win for the patriots as not a terrible loss from the perspective of who you played and and that element of it, but you have to win this game. They had a couple of different things that they could have done outside of that last play that would have let them submit the victory.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data
1: sean next game maybe a quick recap it's the arizona cardinals and the denver broncos we get arizona losing out on this one 24 to 15 the denver broncos getting the win both teams now four and ten on the season you mentioned earlier that you thought both coaching staffs may be out of jobs at halftime still feels like both of these coaching staffs could be out of these roles at the end of the season it's just been a a terrible season for both based on where we thought they would be at this point but the cardinals have a couple of those back to back obviously first year head coach in denver so we'll see what happens there but arizona big big trouble here Um, we do get colt mccoy with a concussion he leaves the game trance mcsorley comes in for him really struggle to get anything going from both of those guys we get a trey mcbride site and he gets four receptions for 55 yards we haven't got a huge amount for him throughout the season maybe they go back quarterbacks been in there maybe beneficial to him seven for 60 for deandre hopkins james connor gets in the end zone with 63 rushing yards from him three receptions and 28 yards to add to that jerry judy eight targets seven receptions 76 yards with brett ripping at quarterback 197 yards passing for him sean the running backs kind of got the job over the line here with latavius murray 24 carries 130 yards one touchdown he has done quite well since he has come in and kind of been the starter on the offense here has continued to to put up some points for them in a season where not a huge amount of bright spots in Denver. Marlon Mack gets into the end zone again with a rushing touchdown here, five for thirty-seven, one touchdown for him. But again, probably not affecting many lineups this particular week. And then we we also get Eric Tomlinson getting the other touchdown here for the Broncos. Any thoughts on this? Any any key things to take away? Another one where we mentioned potential players maybe not advancing in some of these contests. DeAndre Hopkins maybe in, in that bracket as well.
2: Yeah, Hopkins looked like he was going to be a guy who, if you had the guts to take those first six weeks, he was going to be a difference maker down the stretch. That has evaporated with the injury to Kyler Murray. Even worse is Marquise Brown. You think of all of these teams that traded for start wide receivers in the offseason. You think about what the Cardinals paid for Brown and what he's given them. Got off to a decent start. Had a lot of very solid to even big games in that first Initial stretch before things really went fully pear shaped for the Cardinals. But since Dre Hopkins has been there, there's been no complementary element for Marquise Brown. They don't work well together. You're going to have Rondell Moore at some point. Despite the extensions signed, you kind of expect that this will be all new next offseason. And a Hopkins Brown Rondell Moore team should be extremely dynamic the news that sounded like on the Kyler Murray surgery was very positive to where he could be back to start next season. I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you have to be excited about that. And then you have to be excited about the fact that McBride looked fantastic in this game, just the five targets, but he is a big dude who's fast. I mean, that was one of the things that came out of this offseason. And the reason that they took him where they did is that to have a tight end with that much, production in college even if it's a small school level and then for him to be that athletic that's a potential difference maker for you you always got to keep a little bit kind of in check in terms of thinking what the upside could eventually be there you're going to want to see it but if you can go out and trade for him as a throw-in piece this offseason i think that some fantasy managers will be frustrated enough about what he did through the first 10 11 12 weeks that they might still be willing to include him especially because some of this breakout is going to be covered up by the incompetence of the Cardinals and the quarterback play that you're having to deal with here he's someone especially when you think about the trajectory for a lot of the tight ends and when you're expecting them to really hit I'll be trying to add as many shares of McBride as you can this offseason again I say that as someone who is loaded up to start with so it's not Coming to you from the perspective of being surprised by it or changing the opinion, you might weigh that a little bit, but definitely doubling down on McBride is the guy that you want to have here. Unfortunately, a contrast to Greg Dulcich on the other side, who's been one of the few bright spots for the Broncos, he was not a part of this passing game with Brett Rippin under center. If you were playing him, and I was playing with both Ben and with Patrick Corrine in RV Triflex quarterfinals this weekend, to have Eric Tomlinson and guys like that as the focal point Tomlinson does get in on a touchdown there that part a little bit disappointing Jerry Judy seven for 76 within the context of this particular game it was an explosive not explosive he averages just under 11 yards per reception but the routes again today. And this is something that even as he struggled to both stay healthy and to deal with the excruciatingly poor quarterback play during the course of his first three seasons in the NFL, people rave and rave and rave. I think when the quarterback play is as bad as it's been, it can be hard to see that manifest itself in a game in a way that really matters to you. As a fantasy manager or even just as a fan, you're thinking, I mean, it's it's fine, but (laughs) it's irrelevant. In today's game, his ability to go out there and separate and get so wide open that Rippon could find him when he needed him. It it just, it jumped out to me. And so that part was kind of cool. I think that Judy is someone where the injuries really bother me, really worry me. The future quarterback play. Russell Wilson is locked into being the guy for this team for a long time. He's not going to be awesome unless something really changes. And yet they're going to have new coaches. They're going to have a new offensive scheme. Hopefully it's something that fits a little bit better. And it's just like actually NFL level like borderline competent one of the things that we've witnessed this season is just the stark contrast between what doug peterson brings to the table and what the jaguars were dealing with last year i think that the situation in denver is as bad or worse than what the jacksonville jaguars were dealing with last year urban meyer obviously overmatched obviously someone with a lot of these sort of napoleon issues and what have you but in terms of actual coaching acumen, I think the Denver Broncos are dealing with an even worse staff here. Judy, someone that you probably should be buying if you can get through those injuries. You look at what he's doing. You look at what Devonte Smith did today. He was someone, especially early, where as the Bears are trying to take AJ Brown away, and that seems strange to say when you look at the final line. But they were definitely doing that. Devonte Smith was shredding them. He was so dynamic, so wide open showing off so much speed, so much ability after the catch that they had to change their game plan. A.J. Brown gets a lot of these one-on-ones. A.J. Brown actually making the contested catches today, not necessarily separating, but using that size. Smith separating. Think about Smith. You think about Jalen Waddell, who demonstrated that he can still get it done with his long score. Majeri Judy, obviously right there or better than those guys in college. We saw some elements of it today probably isn't super important to you these last couple of weeks with this environment but he's someone where adam and adam and adam and when you look ahead to 2023 and early drafts some of which are already taking place draft
1: yeah and uh you've mentioned a few times that i'm feeling this excitement already to start drafting and for 2023 so (laughs) we'll see how long we wait before we start jumping into those But sean the last game we're going to talk about today we will be back on the tuesday show to recap the rest of the games here hopefully for me a green bay packers win but a team in the division the detroit lions get another win 20 to 17 against the new york jets this looked like a game that was destined for overtime but the lions get it done late here and then the the jets couldn't respond at that point they are now seven and seven on the season incredible story as to to how they have got to this point but this wasn't kind of the game that We've come to expect with the lions where we get a high scoring shootout the jets really didn't have enough to put them in a hole you know against the, the lions defense to make them continue to try and up those numbers so it was a little bit of a closer game the only real note here for me sean is garrett wilson got it done and a lot of it came late on he gets four for 98 off nine targets you mentioned zach wilson zach wilson has some nice throws in this game has some very bad throws in this game (laughs) so we kind of got a mix of what we thought zach wilson would do but i have to say he did have 317 passing yards in this one but it is 18 of 35 so very inefficient and it takes four sacks for 30 yards and just now when i mentioned sacks for 30 yards joe borough today got very very lucky with a a defensive holding call we were talking about the holding calls there was a hold on jamar chase which meant that that ruled out i believe it was going to be a 26 yard sack that took them into their own half which was a absolutely i'm sure he is very thankful for that for that call come the the end of the game but yeah a weird weird decision there by by Bordeaux to head towards his own goal at, at a high rate but on the on the lion's side we uh we get just the 252 passing yards from Goff, uh one touchdown for him swift gets a little bit going on the ground just the 52 yards for him jamal williams just the 33 yards rushing for him we are seeing justin jackson sprinkled in a bit more six rush attempts for him and then we get nothing major i guess from anybody through the air for the Lions. so i don't have any major takeaways from this game uh, for fantasy moving forward other than Garrett wilson continues to look good um, but he's going to have a little bit of trouble here if we have zach wilson for the rest of the season what did you make of the the lions and the jets
2: this was another one where you can understand the frustration, and yet you probably just need to rein it in a little bit more. Wilson left the field fuming on multiple occasions, just really showing up his quarterback. Now, I think you have to question what the Jets are doing here because if they win this game, and the New York Jets had the best defense in the NFL. What they did to the Lions today was extraordinary—completely shutting them down. And the Lions have been hot. And the Lions are – and it's not a fluke. They've been hot for too long, an entire season basically, except for that time period when Amon Ross St. Brown was out. And they made them look awful in this game today. You think a little bit about the defense that's being played in that AFC East alongside some of the offensive fireworks. The other game where Detroit really struggled this season was against that New England Patriots defense. Huge contrast, Patriots offensive and defensive sides of the ball – but in this game here, I think you have to like the competitiveness on both sides. You have to love both coaching staffs. And Jared Goff, on the one hand, demonstrated why he's probably still not the future in Detroit. And on the other, I mean, he leads him to a win against a team that is, that the caliber of the defense is just almost impossible to overstate here the play that really jumps out when you think about why they might want somebody else. If you, again, it's going to be best ball because you don't have Jamison Williams starting for you in a managed league, but he gets just the one target, but it is a target where he's behind the defense for what I believe would have been about a 50 yard touchdown. And I mean, he's behind the defense by five, six yards Goff underthrows it to the point where the defender coming back and closing fast is able to get his hands there That gives you a little bit of sense too what the lions are going to have a month from now in the actual playoffs as they bring jamison williams along because his speed is unique you put that with amon ra's ability underneath and that lateral agility this team is going to be almost impossible to deal with deandre swift had the nine targets in this game only catches the five passes but you look at his contribution too and the playmakers that they have I know that the Lions want Jamal Williams to be a thing. They want him to be the short yardage back. He does actually have a touchdown in this game. That was a pretty nice run, but it's called back on a holding penalty. So if you add that to his score, then it's not as bad of a week. But you put the Williams and Justin Jackson carries together, 19 carries, 49 yards. All of those plays are making it more difficult for this team to sustain drives the contrast between those players and swift and swift is, is still not a guy that you probably even fully healthy want to have some kind of massive workload he's not going to be a derrick henry or anything like that and yet a few more of the other plays need to be removed and given to him or simply need to be passing plays even handoffs to the receiver amon rod does get one such carry in this game because those plays are hurting Detroit, and they hurt them in games that are competitive. It's obviously less of a problem in games that are blowouts. Now, they get the kind of not exactly blown coverage, but Brock Wright drops a key pass late, comes back, scores on a 51-yard sort of catch-and-rumble play. A real eyesore in comparison to everything else that the Jets did today. So they win the game late on that when it looked like. Wilson, in fact, was going to lead them back. I mean, the average is nine yards per catch, in part because Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are bringing so much dynamism to the field. Wilson catches less than half of his targets today and still ends up with 98 yards. Once they have the QB in place there, I mean, you're already talking about 200-yard games with some frequency. Now, some frequency, it's also, I mean, obviously, every week. But just, again... In terms of the enthusiasm for the day to day, it looked like he was going to get shut down at halftime. And then, if you played him knowing that he's this big time playmaker, even with Zach Wilson, you got to put some of those guys out there. But you're staring at maybe a three, four, five, something to that effect. He comes back late and makes these big plays. The competitiveness from Wilson, you want to see, even though the accuracy and the decision making more or less completely. Absent, but this is a heartbreaking loss for the Jets who looked like they had it with about a minute to go.
1: Yeah, it felt that way. So, interesting finish of the game, and uh, Garrett Wilson being a big part of trying to make that comeback, but didn't get there in the end. We will talk about the rest of the games on the Tuesday show, but Sean, it is the week of the holidays here, and I know a lot of people will be getting. You know, ready to travel potentially and things like that. So we will be recording lots of content over the the next couple of weeks to keep you going. But if you have any questions, we love getting those you know topics, those ideas in from the Road of His Overtime community. So do send them. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or whether you're listening to it on the podcast forum send them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, or you can it as a youtube comment if you're watching over on that side we might get some of those shows posted over the next couple of weeks we're always looking for those topic ideas as we get into the nfl offseason from a fantasy football perspective sean the other thing to mention is 25 percent discounts for one month passes at rotaviz.com are still something that are available if somebody is interested if you want to buy one for somebody else you want to get one for yourself all you have to do is add the code rv radio 2022 at checkout at rotavis.com save yourself 25 percent off that one month pass i think that you know you jump in you'll love it you'll want to be ready for the 2023 season you'll be you'll be there and sean often mentions about losing time and the tools uh definitely you're gonna hopefully you're gonna have some you know vacation time some holiday time over the next couple of weeks perfect time to, to sit and relax maybe you're sitting in an airport even better get yourself uh, into the the rotavis tools and, and have a look through it but that is going to do it for today's episode of the show hopefully you've enjoyed it hopefully your week 15 is going well going according to plan with your fantasy football teams we still have monday night football to go so we will be back after that is concluded my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotavis.com and until we are back have a good one